0: started that I called the undercard and I've done this because I have a huge interest in exploring radio as a medium for other forms of entertainment and with how COVID has been lately with us not being able to be in stations we have to take more innovative measures now into trying out new things. So I decided to try my hand at podcasts and I of course wanted to make a podcast about something I'm very deeply passionate about, which in this case would be well, Pro wrestling which i think a lot of people always tend to look at me funny because i'm not the usual image of a pro wrestling fan i mean it's like it's it's a very uh, antiquated image of course but it's something that i still think is around that people don't get is that everyone can like pro wrestling and it's not just got to be the kind of stereotypical idea that you get you think of a pro wrestling fan and i wanted to make this podcast because i want to find an outlet, of way to talk about all the things that are happening there and just kind of lend my own voice to it because I see so many opinions online and everything that I've always kind of wanted to discuss my own. So basically I've been given an hour time slot on Sundays to do my show here and just to talk about wrestling shows, the pay- pay-per-views coming up, promotions, and news in general that has been happening. In the world of pro wrestling this can be anywhere from wwe to nxt to aew to new japan and so yeah i am going to be able to do that from now on and i hope if you are interested in this you will listen to you will listen because i'm going to try my best and i hope you guys will be along from the journey to, because i think we're gonna have a good time so to start, for my first kind of main episode, I wanted to talk about what's probably the biggest event happening in the pro wrestling world right now, and that is New Japan's G1 Climax. And for those of you who don't know, the New Japan G1 Climax is a tournament that is decided with use of normally around ten, around 20 wrestlers, 10 wrestlers for each block, a block consisting of Several, ma- uh, several matches that can equal up to about 20 points in the sense that every time a wrestler wins a match, they win two points. So how it works then is in the two blocks, all the wrestlers compete against each other in what we call the round robin style of wrestling, which is where you all compete against each other. There's no eliminations and there's no moving forwards. It's just everyone keeps competing and you try to win as many points as possible so that you can then advance from your block to face the winner of the other block. And then in G1 Climax's case, the winner of that wins a trophy and then a shot at the New Japan Pro Wrestling World IWGP Championship, and who is, which is currently being held by Tetsuya Naito. So it's... It's a very prestigious tournament, and it has been going on for about 30 years now. It's, this is the G1 30, so it's, it's definitely a huge event this time around, and it's got a good lineup of wrestlers right now. I'm going to take a look to just see at who we have, kind of, kind of jog my memory if I'm correct. So for the Block A, first of all, the blocks don't really matter. There's there's block A and block B and I think something that's supposed to be like the person with the better wins are supposed to get into block A and block B. It's it's like a somewhat prestige, but it's I don't there's it's not resistant because as we will see, Yujiro Takahashi is currently in block A, He has mostly been a career mid carter for New Japan as of late, with the Bullet Club as one of the p- members of the the Pimps Club his little sections called. and he's he's fun. I always like Yujiro takahashi. he's 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 not putting on five star classics anymore, considering his age, but he's he can still go on the ring and he can still be fairly entertaining. And honestly, I love his finisher, the 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 pim juice DDT. I absolutely love it. It's so I, I don't know why it's just there's something so satisfying about that that finisher to me and he went up against will Ospreay in the first in his first round and now will Ospreay was kind of turning heads because of the fact that he in england and the united states had been getting accusations during the speaking out movement in the wrestling world which for those of you don't know was a essentially the me too of pro wrestling mostly occurring with wrestlers in the in the uh the uk area that were being accused of things like sexual assault and just also general assault in jimmy havoc's case and it's taken out a number of wrestlers careers so far who have been looking to kind of just you know just continue to (laughs) stupid of me to say sorry it's been it's been taking out a number of wrestlers who've now been blackballed from certain promotions progress namely banned several wrestlers who have been involved in this situation Osprey was in a different case where he was not he was accused of defending a friend who was a, had been accused of rape by blackballing the accuser from wrestling, promo, wrestling promotion. And that kind of it made everyone not too happy with him, of course, because, you know, it's kind of a shady thing to do. But and I think there's also some general accusations of his behavior as well, but I have had no claim to that and I don't know what it is, but I, and I don't have any say, you know, because I wasn't there, but regardless, he's, his involvement in this has been raising some eyebrows that maybe New Japan isn't as up to date on what's going on with that situation and not too aware that for a brand that's been trying to get out of the, of the uh, Japanese market and into the, into the American art market, that it's not really the best move to have this guy be doing so well in the, in the G1 Climax, or he's, he's only won his first match against Yujiro Takahashi, of course, but he it still would be some not really in the best taste to have someone do that, because if they did, it'd be kind of like when Velveteen Dream for NXT was accused of his own sexual assault allegations, and people were a little upset that he had been getting a push to be the uh, North American championship the north american champion in that latter match at takeover so it's kind of the it's it's kind of on similar grounds a little bit but regardless they it's considering his reception that he got during this match it was it's i don't know what to say really i don't know if they're just ignoring it if he's just that beloved there or if he's if it's just the accusations are just so not true to them that they just or ignoring it, I really had no clue as to what it is, but either way, he got in, and he got a great reception to this, and had his first match with Yujiro Takahashi, and it was, it was, I thought it was a fine match, I, I think it was, I'm hoping it's not the best match we get out of Takahashi this, this, um, this, this, over the next month, but it was good, we, it was pretty basic stuff, to be honest, outside of that, it was kind of Osprey, showing off his own stuff with his new, bigger physique, that always amazes me, that he's still capable of doing this kind of stuff. He's still doing the Superman flips, and I think at one point was gonna go for the Sasuke special, but, of course, Yujiro put an end to that. Yujiro got to shine some of his own stuff out with his, he had, a, he had a reverse DDT on the outside that put him in control for the majority of it, he a lot of boots to Osprey's face, hit him with the Miami shine, and, of course, it's still not enough, and, Osprey took him out, of course, with the Stormbreaker afterwards. That spinning corkscrew gut wrench. Corkscrew. Sp- let me hang. I'm trying this. Corkscrew double underhook gut wrench neckbreaker. <laughs> awesome move, but still. He well, it came up short there against Osprey, and I think that's what most people are expecting. With Takahashi to be the kind of bottom barrel of this tournament, to be the one that kind of gives everyone the easy win, probably. Much like ta- Taka Michinoku that one year, and I think it was the Super Juniors. So either way, fine match, and I hope hopeful that Takahashi get, 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 keeps up this kind of good ma- these good matches. And for Osprey, let's hope he goes. I I don't know what to think of him still. I'm I'm just gonna say I think it would be massively hypocritical if. For all the people that were out crying that that Velveteen Dream had been getting all these pushes despite his allegations to then kind of turn this blind eye to Osprey doing well in the G1, I think it's massively hypocritical of the fan base to do that because one, you know, is WWE and one is a indie promotion. So regardless, that's just my thoughts. I don't think he should go too far. He didn't do too well in last year's G1, I believe going four and five. And so I don't see him doing any better, to be honest. I'm hoping he doesn't do too much better. I like Osprey. He's, he's entertaining in the ring, and he's very, very talented. But I don't know. just I don't want to see him win this year. The next match we had was with Tai Chi. So Tai Chi, I always have a hard time saying his name, who is someone I always feel like is a very mixed bag amongst fans, kind of like Kuroki Goda, who I'll discuss later. But Tai Chi, the the phantom the opera cosplayer who came in against jeff cobb jeff cobb of course the freakishly athletic big man olympian who was in the last year's g1 one of the returning members of to be honest the pretty similar roster we've had this this year that i'm not complaining because everyone's really really talented of course in this roster but Jeff Cobb versus Tai Chi. I didn't have too many thoughts going into this one. Tai Chi is, of course, uh, one of the—is a Suzuki-Gun member, so he's obviously going to play to his strengths of cheating and just being in general. uh, Words I can't say on the Doobie radio. And so he then—what was I going to say? Yeah. And then versus Jeff Cobb, who is a fan favorite I think in in New Japan for his just— freakish talent, athleticism. Uh, it was a, it was a good match though. Overall, I uh, got to see some good leg work by uh, Tai Chi on Jeff Cobb with him hitting him with a little hammer that I have no idea how that was not a disqualification. It was so blatant, but yeah, but Tai Chi did a pretty good job working on Cobb. It was a fine match. He hit a, Worked on him well enough that it was like he couldn't hit the Tour Islands. His spinning reverse throw power slam that he does as his fin- Jeff Cobb does as his finisher, and he ultimately fell to the Black Mephif- Mephif- Mephisto, which was honestly incredible that I th- Tai Chi was it. A- tai Chi was able to hit that because it was it just looked so incredible, honestly, and it was on- also kind of entertaining to see him hit him with the with the, be able to take him down so early with the kind of the axe bomber but regardless still a good match i feel like i'm rambling a little bit but i'm just trying to get through all the matches so i can get my final thoughts on kind of how i think this will go and who my favorite fan favorites are to win this year and hey it's my first show so i'm always happy for feedback and whatnot so thank you all for that if you want to me feedback so then what well, the next match was was honestly match of the night for the block a on on uh, uh for the first show it was the for block a's first show it was honestly match of the night here it was to- tomohiro ishii versus minoru suzuki Ishii is one of those guys that i the stone pitbull himself tomohiro ishii is one of those guys that i always kind of have it's like I really like rooting for him and watching him in the, his matches because he is just so—he's just so awesome. He just—he t- just absorbs so much, so many hard-hitting moves. And again, he's up against Suzuki, and then this match these two just batter the ever-living, bleeping bleep words I can't can't say again out of each other with just slaps and kicks, and Suzuki just drilling him with PK after PK. And- it was an incredible match, but as I was saying about Ishii, he's, he just, he always seems to come up short, honestly. I just, he's kind of, it's kind of one of, the, another one of those things I feel like it's a little hypocritical that he's able to, that he's, he gets so much uh, fanfare for just losing a ton. And even when some guys in WWE seem to get so much flack for losing a single match despite how well they're booked in the match itself. It's one of those, I guess, one of those fine lines of making someone look strong in defeat, but I always feel like it's harder in WWE to do that for whatever reason with fans. Regardless, though, on the match itself, it was, like I said, incredible. It was just everything I love about the New Japan and the kind of strong, strong style of King Rhodes, just hard-hitting nonsense that all the lariats, all the kicks, all the slaps to the face, all the forearms, there was an incredible moment where it was—I actually kind of thought Ishii had been knocked silly because of just how hard Suzuki just knocked him in the head with one of his, his own forearms. But this—that that is the skill of Minoru Suzuki, who is honestly one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He's his facial expressions are incredible. He is a legitimate—he's one of those guys that has one of those legitimate tough guy attitudes, no part thanks to his MMA record, which actually isn't as good as some people, like. I think— of it as but it's it's really he, he still has that aura that's always able to maintain and just the whole the only thing i love more than beating on people getting beaten up on is beating people attitude is also just incredible that he's i wish i could say the word i want to say because it's just he's a because it's just true he is just so bad bleep I gotta stop saying bleep i'm sorry either way he course is using his speed he had had a lot of great moments where he was just flying for that sleeper hold into the gotch style that he was just trying to shake up Ishii for the entire match with that and finally did hit the gotch style pile driver onto Tomohiro Ishii and it was I just can't go I just can't express how great of a match this was it was just hard hitting there was the, the, the sounds of it just it's one of those matches that I always love about New Japan is it's like the sound you don't appreciate just how much that kind of. The hitting of like the, the uh, that sound of bone on flesh it's it sounds morbid but it's just that incredible sound and just brings you into the match even more it's something so basic as a Tomohiro Ishii or Suzuki match which doesn't have all the bells and whistles of like say an Osprey or a most. AEW or NXT matches, but it's just, it's one of those classic New Japan style matches that I just absolutely love to see, and I'm very excited to see what the, with how far these two go in the and G1 Climax. Then we had one of the, our first returning members of the New Japan roster with Jay White, and there was a whole thing about Jay White wanting to do something with Marty Skrull and Ring of Honor, of course that was derailed because of the aforementioned <laughs> speaking out movement. So as of yet, that seems to be, have been put on the backburners despite despite um, uh, Brody King and Flip Gordon getting some chances to kind of try to somewhat keep it alive from what I've seen. Either way, he went up against Shingo Takagi, another absolute beast of man who's just ex- so explosive with his power and just so innovator with his offense, that it was an in, 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 entertaining stars class versus with Jay White versus Takagi. Seeing Jay obviously do his typical heel work, where he's always sliding to the outside, and just <laughs> Takagi just not having any of that, and just grounding the man in the ring and just throwing the slams and strikes and clotheslines to keep him down and, and um, away from the outside. Before you know the typical Jay White's Shenanigans of always tossing the person into the into the to the rail guards and all that nonsense occurs. So it obviously picked up a little bit there. I some people had been talking about Jay White having a bit of ring rust in this match, and I, I honestly didn't see it. Of course, it's been a while, and I really I really didn't see it very much. I maybe I'm just biased. I'm a huge huge Jay White fan, so it obviously was just. Maybe again, I could just say I'm just being biased against him, for him that I'm not noticing it. But I, I very much like the match. I very much enjoyed it. It wasn't the best of him, and I think he's obviously had better matchups. But it, it was an interesting style clash against like the explosive nature of of um Takagi versus kind of sneakier grappling style of Jay White. With of course the referee being the the. The great red shoes uno who is the bane of the suzuki gun and in Bullet club's existence which was just hilarious to see how much it's, it's it's kind of like watching he's like oh god this guy's back and he's just doing everything anytime he gets a chance he'll just t- jay white's just tossing himself to distract red shoes so he can try something sneaky of course a gato and uh, near the end went for the the typical brass knuckles, and that did not work because Takagi just put it into that. But of course, Jay White hit him with a low blow when he when Shingo went for the for the um last of the dragons finisher. But of course, he hit the ref, and Jay White hit a low blow, and Regalplex, Blade Buster. Then, of course, as usual, the Blade Runner. So. Did I didn't say blade buster? I meant the, I meant the, yeah, the straight, the straight jacket brain buster. Sorry, I've got, got those two mixed up. Yeah, kind of, you know, the typical fair. The straight jacket brain buster then follows the finisher blade runner, one of the best finishers ever, in my opinion, on par with the sister Abigail, of course, which is Bray's version, but I'm not going to get to debate about who does that better. Regardless, fine match. And then the main event for the block a's first night was kota abushi versus kazuchika okada now i wanted to be fair here and say something about the opening is just how silent it was it was like cheers but then once the match started there was just this silence that i think is just i loved because i think it's honestly one of the best respects you can give to a wrestler is i don't think western audiences we appreciate that as much as silence because we all we automatically assume uh, silence equates boredom but like in this it was just this silence as in to let the mood sit as they were doing their typical for hold, holds catch catch wrestling not uh normal stuff for the matchup and i just think this but for this in this case it was just like respect for them it was not because they were bored of it it was because they were just they were just they knew these two could deliver something right because it's Kota because Kota it's Few wrestlers in the world today that I believe has that legit star power still with him, and Kazuchika Okada largely heralded as probably the greatest wrestler of the uh, twenty the of the twenty tens, probably will be of the twenty twenties. So everyone was expecting something big, and honestly, they they delivered. They did pull out some good stuff with this match. I don't know why it felt like it went on a little bit shorter than it. I, it Felt shorter than it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but there was a lot of like them trading off tombstone pile drivers for whatever reason. Kota, they kept on reversing it, and Okada really going for the uh, his cobra clutch, the money clip, a submission to get Koda to tap out. I'm not sure if I'm missing something on the storyline on that, but it was just him trying to hit those two moves you know, like continuously throughout the match, and it was kind of his downfall because Ibushi. Then took him out with – the managed to reverse one of his his uh, rainmakers and took him out with the Kamagoe knee strike, which is one of the best knee strikes – which is one of the best knee strikes in the business right now. It's such a cool move. And, yeah, he picked up what I kind of thought was a bit of an upset win against the former longest reigning IW well, – no, he's still the longest reigning IWGP champion, but still the former IWGP champion. Either way, a good match, and I liked some of the dynamics between it with them doing the move, trying to trading off, trying to go for a move, move. But yeah, it was it was fine though. And of course, I would be remiss to not mention, of course, the, the infamous C block, which isn't as existent this time around because of the fact that you know with COVID they've been trying to uh, uh, minimize how many people they can have in a in a stadium out with how many wrestlers they're going to be bringing into the into them with into into the tournament with them. So they've mostly been sticking with their young lions this time around if I'm correct. And the young lion match was I am apologize for butchering these names but there was Yuya, Yumura, and Yoda Suji. If I'm correct, i pronounce the pronunciation which to be honest i don't want to go too much into the young lion matches because as talented as they all are they tend to just be kind of eh, the same honestly it, it's like it's kind of mostly comes down to changing of their skills levels change of their skill levels a little bit because it's always kind of the typical stuff it's hold for hold stuff it's uh, mostly the kind of basic dropkick the a few the, a few chances to of show off some newer moves like um when i believe it was carl frederick started busting out the spear was around this time because he was showing off more of his talent before he got his his big win so it's now becoming less of a young lion but regardless it's kind of comes the same stuff i'll just bring up the winner it was a the winner was uh was a UUMRO this time around. He went for, he got him with the Boston, the typical young lion, Boston crab finisher, because that's just, just how they do it. I probably should explain a little bit while I still have the time for this first 30 minutes, what the young lions are. For those of you who don't know, the young lions are the, the trainees that are designated with doing all the kind of grunt work. Or the other technical stuff like setting up the ring setting up the guardrails, making sure the audience isn't too close to the marina and when the wrestlers inevitably bust out to the outside keeping them safe and act as a buffer and also as kind of the the trainees for when they go on an excursion to discover their own personalities and make themselves in the business so it's it's their training ground, it's their dojo and they all tend to The thing is, it's it's not exactly like NXT, though, because NXT, they come in and are given personality and given their own flares to see what works and what doesn't. With New Japan, though, with their dojos, is everyone who comes in is kind of, I kind of want to say almost 2K community creation. They are blank slates they are the only personality they're supposed to be given is i'm happy to be here wow i get to be right next to minora suzuki and he's going to kick my head off oh i'm so happy for this opportunity in basic stuff they then they don't get wins or, well they don't directly beat more uh, experienced wrestlers and when they're on the outside they are not supposed to fight other wrestlers fight the main wrestlers so it's it's, it's a it's a it's a very interesting organization. It's a very interesting organization that and way of doing it that I very much respect because I think it's it's actually really smart because then once they've deemed the person ready, they send them off on what they call the excursion to either a promotion America series of Indies in the, the UK recently and uh, CMLL, if I'm correct if that's the promotion where then they hone their skills and develop personalities there to come back a couple years later and show off how they've, how much they've grown. The most recent example, and also sadly one of the examples of the times it didn't work was Master Wado, who, who came back from CMLL, who did not have a very good time there. He did not clash well, with, he, he, he did not mesh well with the styles. He clashed a lot with the libre that CMLL, CMLL has, and he he then, he came back and it was already already bad enough that he came in to an empty arena for his arrival, but he's just, not, no one's taking him seriously. His first major feud has been with, uh, I apologize again if I butcher his name, uh, Dookie. And Yoshinobu Kanemaru, who are both talented guys, but they're very low mid. They're they're mid carders, of course. And just he's lost to Yoshinobu a few times, and he beat Duki, which is really no big feat. Duki is the premier jogger of the New Japan roster. (coughs) No, sorry. And it just he just hasn't clicked. Whatever reason, he just hasn't clicked. He's currently starting something with Tenzan. As his mentor, kind of thing, on uh, his way to grandmaster, which is the whole point of his gimmick, because he's always improving. But it's—I I don't want to be the guy that says a oh, wrestler has been—he's um, lost it within his first match. But it's—I want to say that it's not looking too great right now for him. He's clearly talented, but he's just—he just needs to find something better to connect with the audiences because just, this gimmick just doesn't really work very well with them. So right now, if I'm correct about the time, it's been about 30 minutes now. So I think I'll start with doing one of the station IDs for the Doobie here. Uh, You're listening to the Doobie Radio. We're broadcasting from, well, we're coming at you from Denison University in Granville, Ohio, but this is a pre-recorded podcast. So I don't have any access on what's happening in terms of the exact time and what might be happening right now small distance of future so yeah so then i'll move on now to the g1 Climax's block b tournament which happened just uh just at one o'clock this one o'clock this morning I guess. yeah one o'clock this morning really but so i will now move on to that tournament and discuss the rest of this there okay now block Block B of the New Japan G1 Climax tournament. So, our first match of this night was, of course, the Young Lions, which was Gabriel Kidd versus Yo- Yodo Suji. Again, like, not going to go much into detail about this one. Typical stuff. Uh, Yodo bounced back from his loss against uh, Iwamuro with a typical Boston Crab submission on Gabriel Gabriel Kidd. So. It was fine. It was, again, five matches. The new Japan, the Young Lions matches are never really... I shouldn't say, it's kind of always a matter of their, the time they're given. They're always... I think they're always as good as the time they're given. They're never really necessarily bad. They're just... If it's a shorter match, it's obviously not going to be as good as what they give. They're given just a bit more time. They're never given much longer. I think, how long was this match? This is just under 10 minutes, So obviously. It was better than last night's, which is... so. Either way, it's it was fine. It was fine match, typical stuff. So, of course, we had our first matchup, which was Yoshihashi, who has just recently got his second life as not being seen as a joke anymore in New Japan, at, by now being part of the uh, never open weight, not not the never open weight, the trio championship with correct Hiroki Goto and with uh, blanking on his name Tomohiro. I wanna, yeah, Tomikura Ishii, yes, with Ishii Goto and um, Yoshihashi are all now the, the, uh, trios championship in New Japan, I'm probably butchering that name so much, I apologize greatly, I will be a bit more prepared for this next week, hopefully, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm nude, that is, ooh, i have a renewed Either way, he's Yoshiyoshi, He's second life now. He's trying to be no longer seen as the joke. And what better place than the G One climax? He had, he was in the G One climax previously. Uh, he had better, He's had a year off, but he didn't do too well and last last time he was in the G One. And hope he's looking to do better here. I think it's a very good opportunity for him because you know the G One. It's one of those cases where you're really able to fight from under the under under the knife under the knife. Oh, you're, very often, you're, it's a great way to show a wrestler's determination and their hearts to, despite not going to win, like if you're just at the bottom of the barrel to still want to fight, it can still really resonate with the fans that you're, you just don't care if you want to, it's just winning, you want to be able to show them that you, what you can do. And this, I think this match was a pretty good example of that. He was up against returning Juice Robinson, who I was honestly afraid was going to have the most ring rest of all the returning wrestlers. Here, but he honestly performed pretty well. His matches tend to vary with me. Either way, he came into the ring in a in a, an attire that make me can't make me decide on whether or not I want to make a Blues Brothers or a Book of Mormon or Bob Fosse or even a Magic Mike joke because he was wearing some kind of like sparkly vest, uh, sparkly vest with a tie and white collared shirts. Before he took a fedora and sunglasses, it was. He's funny. He's just he's a definitely a very entertaining funny guy, Juice Robinson. It was a it was a it was a good match though. It was Yoshiashi got to show off a lot of his stuff there. He he did he kept on going for the uh, the bunker buster, neck breaker and he then he tried going for his hitting his really nice swanton actually, that has a real good snap to it, but just Juice was way too resilient for him. He can put you just couldn't put the guy away and juice Obviously landed with the uh, left hands to God several times near the end and just drilled him with the pulp friction. It was it was a good match though. Juice was clearly welcomed back, weirdly less than Osprey, which I just thought was hilarious. But Juice was able to get them on this side constantly, he kept on hitting the rhythm to We Will Rock You. Really Weirdly missing was his typical JUICE kind of mantra mon- where he hits his big chops in the corner. Which, God, those things look like they stink it's just so bad. But I, I, I honestly enjoyed this matchup a lot. Yoshiashi got to show off his. got to show off his. that he is a credible uh, competitor now. He was. he looked desperate in a good way that made you, like, want to cheer for him. Like, the way he, he had him walked into the butterfly hole and he kept on trying to modify it into, like, a cross face to. Just do anything to keep Juice down, but he just it wasn't enough, and it was honestly a good match. It was a really good match. And second we have our, was Sonata versus Toru And here's the thing about Toru matches, not just in the G1, but in general. The guy is what we call a spoiler. Like, the lingo is they call him a spoiler. We call him spoiler because it's a person who... you. Well, if you see his matches and you like saw him, you would assume not much about him. He's very much a joke. He's a funny-looking man. He is a he is all about the comedy, and he but he always ends up beating guys who are like way above him in the like in, like main eventers. People that he just shouldn't have been. He's currently the KOPW trophy. He holds the KOPW trophy over after beating Kazuchika Okada. And Oh Desperado and Sonata, yeah Sonata for it. Who honestly, he's fighting here. Sonata. I really like Sonata's ring gear this time around. He kind of looked like some kind of. He, he reminded me a bit of Black Mantis, a, a little bit. But I miss his old school mask. I really liked it. I'm just glad he doesn't have the Mohawk anymore. But of course, as I was saying with Toriano matches, he's always he he doesn't win because he's a good wrestler. He wins because he's just the smartest wrestler. He. He's constantly bamboozling the ref. He's outplaying the, the the young lions and helping him take out the other guy. He's getting wins by countout, wins by involuntary DQ, roll-ups all all the works. And it's hilarious. He's honestly hilarious. One of the few, like one of the funniest things in wrestling, consistently. And one of the funniest parts about this match was in the beginning. The referee just went up to him and. Like was pulling on his shorts and his, I mean his tights, and he kept on finding all these rolls of tape. One of Yano's favorite uh, instruments of torture, uh, in- instruments of torture, really, but <laughs> the his instruments of torture, because he tends to get the guy on the outside and wrap them up in something. With uh, with John Moxley, who was on his undefeated streak, was taken out by Yano because he managed to tie him up with his little shooter buddy showed up you so he just that's what he does you'll just like tie them up into with the, the tape into like the guardrail or their manager and just then they can't get back in to the ring in time so that's always oh, hilarious to watch and he the ref just kept finding all these rolls of tape and on his person and just toss them out and then of course he goes in he tries this trick where he'll go out to the outside and take a seat and try to get the guy to come outside but of course it's, it's sonata and the guy is just not as high progressive as some of the other wrestlers you would see so yano had to scurry back into the ring before he got counted out by the 20 and back into sonata's playground where if actual legitimate wrestling he was struggling and then they went to the outside and yano got put into the paradise lock which is an over-rotated dolphin clutch which is where a wrestler's legs and hands are crossed against each other normally for a pin, but in this case, uh, the way Sonata uses it was reminiscent of uh, a Milano collection and a wrestler from New Japan where he, he wraps up the legs but then tosses them onto their front so they become trapped in the way that they're positioned, and he was trying to get a count out on him, but Yuyu Imaru managed to free Yano for whatever reason, and when Sonata went to get him, uh, Yano tied him up to Imaro, and Sonata got counted out. It's a fun match. It's, I mean, it's fun. All Yano's matches are fun, but if you're looking for legitimate wrestling, you're not going to like it. That's all I can say. Um, then we had one of the more common matches: Hiroki Goto to vs. Kenta, which is I'm happy enough that they kind of got out of the way because these two have been going at it for a while to mixed results. Kenta is currently the holder of the of a the right to challenge briefcase the U.S. title because Moxley is still in AEWs rubbing shoulders, rubbing elbows with uh, Cody Rhodes and everyone as the AW, AEW champion and can't make it to defend in New Japan currently for, so the, the briefcase is kind of like the intermereum inter, yeah, uh, interim, yeah, interim. I'm forgetting the word, either way, it's the placement holder for the US title currently. And, honestly, Kenta is one of those guys, He, the former Hideo Itami from WWE, and then Kenta from NOAH. It's just, I, his recent run in New Japan just has not been that entertaining to me. He's one of those guys that he just, I don't know what it is, if he just, once he had off, when he was uh, contract held by WWE, just that really got him out of it. But he's just kind of been rusty recently. He's, he's been botching more, he's been... He just needs a guy that's more with his style, that kind of Kings Road. I'm going to show you my new shoes by kicking you in the face with them, kind of guy. And someone like uh, the warrior that everyone seems to hate, except when he actually wrestles, Hiroki Goto, is one of those guys he should be doing pretty well against. But I don't know. Just they just didn't. Whatever reason this one, they didn't mesh around. They didn't mesh as well. The whole idea of this tournament was that they. Kento wanted to submit Hiroki Goto with the game over Omoplata, and he managed to do it, and yeah, congrats to him. He, he had a plan, and he saw it through. So, yeah, it was, it's a fine match. It, there was not much different from it from when they they competed against each other for the never-open-weight title, outside of the fact that the commentary wasn't selling Kento's glass jaw that was made when he got knocked silly by Tomohiro Ishii when he won the title to begin with. So that was fun, but they weren't selling that. I did not care for that part when they were trying to sell Kenta as this glass cannon type, because he's never been that before. Why would you just start now? Either way, I'm hoping we get better from Kenta. I'm, he did pretty well in his G, well, not in terms of scoring, but I can turn to match quality, he did pretty well in his G1 the first time around last year. And now he's part of Bolt Club, so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping for something better. And speaking of guys who, for whatever reason, haven't been fulfilling their potential recently, we get Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr., which is an interesting matchup because it's heel versus heel, it's Suzuki Gun versus Bullet Club, which is always entertaining. I forgot to mention this before, that I really am excited to see Jay White versus Minoru Suzuki. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll discuss that later, but I just want to bring that up, that Jay White versus Minoru Suzuki, I think it's going to be so entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, Either way, if we get Zach Sarah Virginia versus Evil with uh, Dick Togo at his side for the opening, His kind of little discount Gato, or Jay White's ghetto. he then, uh, um, T- Evil got a cheap shot on Zack when he tried to uh, bend, when he took Togo's hand for a handshake and just kind of bent it. Um, I thought this was, yeah, it's fine also fine evil just has not for me been that great lately and i don't know why it's just i don't know if it's just the fact that he's now part of ball club which he's like oh i guess that means i have to start doing a bunch of nonsense in the ring and i don't know he he's taken on nakamura's low blow everything mantra and it's it's it was a fine it was fine he's a little plotting with Zach getting hit with the turnbuckles, which they were trying to sell his back. I and mean, then that was, his back was bad, so he couldn't hit as many snap submissions as he normally does, because that's what Zach does, is he likes wrapping people up like pretzels. Yeah, there was a really cool spot, where, though, where I will get admit where he, where Evil goes for his uh, STO finisher, the Evil finisher, and Zach kind of twists behind, hits his quick submission, uh, sleeper and then evil grabs him and twists him out and zach goes for his Michinoka driver and then he spins out and as he spins out evil goes for the discus clothesline which then zach transitions into the into a, a uh, arm drag and hits gets him into the omoplata armbar submission which looked very really cool for, for the reason there was like a t- of weird grunting you know, and hums, which I guess I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what the story behind that was. I read up about it, it was saying it was hums of disapproval, but it was like just kind of annoying. It just got into an annoying part in the match. They, I was distracted by all the weird humming that was going on. I don't know who was doing it, but either way, it was, and of course, uh, red shoes because, of course, the dad of the bulk, the dad needs to come in and keep these two children in play because it's Suzuki gun and Bullet Club, and he just, who else, but Red Shizuno is going to help them, like, help keep that match in line. <laughs> Either way, he gets knocked out, and then Dick Togo comes in to try to even up the score with some kicks and sentons to Zack, and Zach uh, kicks Togo out of the match when, uh, with a mule kick. That one he were counting. I think what they were going for was like a, a deep impact or a, a a magic killer, from what it looked like. But he kicks him out with a kind of a mule kick, and then he gets evil into into a an, into some submissions before he gets beaten out. And then as he goes for his next finisher, when he goes for evil, goes for the finisher again. He rolls through Zach rolls through and gets him into the euro clutch, which is an awesome little snap, pinfall, and he won, which I didn't know this at the time when I was watching it, there was some kind of huge story about Zach being a, Zach having a bad record against evil, but even then, I don't think I would have cared that much, because you know, Zach is, Zach Saber Jr. is just that kind of, he's a very snobby British type character, where he's, his whole idea is that he's, he's true technical wrestling, uh he, what he said last year, last year was trying to teach technical wrestling to Americans is like reading Shakespeare to a dog. He's so I I don't have I just didn't have much sympathy for him even knowing that afterwards. because he's just not the kind of guy I wanna have sympathy for. He's just kind of a he's a jerk. He's that's that's his character. He is a jerk type. That thinks he's superior, so like to see him win finally get that win just wasn't satisfying to me. And even then I don't care for evil's new incarnation as a heel lately either. So I don't know, just fine match to me. He's just, it was, I I really can't say it was terrible, but I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't get much out of it. Other people may change their opinions, but I don't know, not for me. It wasn't for me, to be honest. I'm sure Zach will have a lot of great matches. He's in a great card with people, but I don't know. It's definitely his G1 starting off better than last year's, though. (laughs) I'll say that much. Then, of course, we got to the main event of the night, which was... Uh Hiroshi Tanahashi is the true, one of the last true superheroes of the wrestling world and a freak of nature because by God, his abs for someone his age is just insane. I will love this man so much. <laughs> then Naito versus the current double champ the double champion, uh, Tetsuya Naito, who is currently the intercontinental and the heavyweight champion of New Japan, having fulfilled his big prophecy over all these years. So it was. Uh, hang on. Huh. I didn't know this. So I was just reading something about this that someone mentioned that they these two have not met and they've not met one in one over three years, which I did not know that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, sorry. Um, I'm just. I've been skimming through um, some people's reviews of the show to get kind of just kind of jog my mem- memory a little bit and to opinions and everything and i just saw that and i didn't know that little fact uh, i bet if chris Charlton was here he would know it <laughs> that guy is an amazing commentator i'm getting sidetracked um another good 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 match it was mostly set around the idea of tanahashi really trying to he really wanted to submit and land that cloverleaf submission on Tetsu Naichuki with him just drilling him with a knee breaker in the beginning of the match and then working on it with dragon screw whips after dragon screw whips, and of course we get Naito's typical, his little, his uh, tranquilo attitude, which I thought was kind of fun in the beginning, because when he was entering the ring, he looked just kind of terrified, honestly, and I love that. But he, yeah, it was was a lot of good stuff here. There was a lot of the great kind of moves that we see from, from Naito. We got to see the revolution, the Valencia, the combination Ciccaron, and it just, sadly, though, it was, he was having a really hard time keeping Tanahashi down because Tanahashi, as late, has been having that need to prove himself again. You know, it's kind of, if you look at this, there's Yoshihashi, then there's Tanahashi, which is kind of similar ideas that they have. These are both guys that have been needing to prove himself. Yoshihashi trying to prove that he's not a fluke, that he's trying to win, and up that momentum, and then Tanahashi who's recently been like he's declining, he's no longer the the man he once was, since he with all the way Koto Ibushi has been looking at him which I found interesting that they didn't, which I found interesting that they didn't put Koto Ibushi and Tanahashi in the same block, which could say about, a lot about what the finale will be but I guess we'll have to see either way back to this match there was a lot with like I said, him working with the legs, but um, to Naito took back charge when he got him onto the top rope after he was going for a uh, a, a high flow and took him with a sunset uh, not a sunset flip a hurricane rana that Tanahashi rolled into a sunset flip and went back again for Cloverleaf. Really. He got it on a few times, but Tanahashi was able to get to the rope. Uh, was able to, Naito was able to get to the ropes, and then. After he missed a uh, high flow, uh, high flow frog splash, Naito is able to pick it up with his, with a, a semi, uh, the Dustino, and of course he kicks out because whatever reason, uh, people, never, always seem to kick out of the, the Destino the first time around, and then he hit him with the, like I said the Valencia Emerald Flosion, and then he hit the Dustino and won the match. Like I said, good match. I liked it a little bit better than the Okada vs. Bushi main event. It, I think, had a bit more of a story being told to it. And either way, yeah, it was a really good overall, really good, good, good night of action. Now then, so with all that said, G One is in full swing. For next match, I believe will be September twenty third. Will be the next block. And as of right now, the men who are in charge, according to this list, I have. We have Kodobushi, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Jay White, Kenta, Tetsu Naito, Juice Robinson, Zack Sabre Jr., and Toru Yanu are all in the – are all the um, current leaders of their respective blocks. And so, now to get into kind of more of the analysis part outside of me just saying a match was good over and over again (laughs) because I'm sure I've been just rambling about that part. bit of podcast nervousness, I should say. He, so, my pick to, to win the whole thing is I'm going to go with Sonata. I think there is something to be told about Sonata versus Tetsu Naito that I don't think has been fully explored. I think he's kind of been one of those guys that's consistently been un, kind of always on the cusp of getting getting there and he just never has. And I think this is kind of his way. I think he might be. There was a whole story last year about how about how no one had ever won the G1 climax from three down from winning, losing their first three matches, and Jay White obviously said, I'm going to be the first one to do that. He made it to the finals over Zach Saber, who also had a rotten start to his G1 with three losses, but well, like I guess Jay White managed to make it, and I wonder if they're going to do that with Sonata. They're going to give him that honor to be the first man to ever lose Three matches in the beginning to come up short from the top because it would, uh, it will kind of mimic where I think he is kind of as his character as a wrestler that he's always kind of been on my cusp and he just needs that final push. But I kind of do now wonder about how why they didn't put Kodo and Tanahashi in the same block. So now I'm wondering if there's a thing with that because I don't know who's going to win block A and that would make a lot of sense because they have been building up that Tanahashi, Kodo uh, blow up for a while now, so I wonder if that will be the the final the finals of the G1. But I don't know. I don't know if they want to give Kodabushi that back to back G1 win since he won last year over White and then came up short in his championship opportunity. So, and I don't know if they want. I Tanahashi he's always beloved. He's always fine. Like when when uh, Kenny Omega was leaving, they gave the game championship to Tanahashi. I don't know. I just don't see them doing it. I feel like it'd be kind of a waste of the climax to give it to one of these two guys again. I they're both talented, but I just don't see see why they would do that. I I see it going to Sonata. I think he's the guy that could benefit most from this entire thing. I don't think it's gonna go to Evil because let's be honest, Tetsu Naito versus Evil has not been has not been great. Their last few matches just. I've just been dull, dull and duds, and I don't think we anyone wants to see that again, especially since we'll be seeing that match already with Evil vs. Tetsu Naito in Block B. I mean, to be fair, we're going to see Sonata vs. Naito in Block B, but I think that might just be a little bit of a start to see how... Like, kind of, I think that'll be like a test of waters match a little bit, see how far people gauge it, and I think then if it's a positive reaction, they'll definitely go all-in with it. But knowing Gato's booking style is probably already booked in advance. It's a it's I think it's a little up in the air. I'm not one hundred percent sold on the Sonama thing. I think that's just all my opinion. I think he's been always kind of he's been silently pushed as the guy that's reliable and needs that chance. I think that's where they're gonna go with him because I don't see anyone else who's really I find like the guy that's gonna take it. Kenta is got the briefcase so he doesn't need this championship opportunity. The only other guy I could see is Jay White. And I would honestly love to see that because I like Jay White a lot, but I don't know if that if they want him to be the guy that's going to take out Naito because there's, they've already kind of done the Naito Jay White stuff, and I don't know how much they want to repeat that as yet, despite how long it's been since we've seen White. Um, Takagi could be fun. Takahashi is not happening. Just sad but true. He's going to get his little match against. He's going to get his match against Okada, which he's always been looking to. To win against, which should be funny to watch. I uh, know funny to watch, but fun and kinda of entertain to see and fun and get that. Suzuki is currently the never openweight champion, so I don't see him doing it unless they want to do something where it's like he's he's the triple belt holder and he's just gonna be he's like I am the true king because I have the three belts. Which could be funny, which could be fun with Suzuki, but he's 50, he's in his fifties now and I don't know if they're willing to keep him on top for too long and I think that'd be a Another silly way to kind of shorten Naito's dual championship reign by doing that with him. <coughs> uh, Jeff Cobb won't happen. Ishii won't happen. Uh, Taichi won't happen. Uh, Yoshihashi is uh, a dark horse up all dark, dark, dark horses. Junior, Toriyana, that won't happen. Juice, I don't think is there yet to get it. Goto. For, again, the guy everyone seems to hate for whatever reason it probably won't happen, but he'll go far in the tournament. So I guess it's a bit of process elimination for me. I'm so I either see it as Sonata versus Jay White, or I see it as Tanahashi versus Abushi for the for the finals. Honestly, I see Sonata or Sonata or Tanahashi winning it all. That's that is my honest thoughts of it. I think that's what they're gonna go for. I don't I – mean, I mean, it might be silly that I'm picking two guys from Block B who are going up against Naito, but I, I just I just don't see Ibushi winning another year in a row. I mean, it could be – Gato likes to, um, to, to to kind of give us good legitimate swerves, so he might do that, or he'll give Ibushi that back-to-back win that we all weren't expecting, but – I just don't see it happening. I honestly just don't. And unless Maybe once this once it goes on a little bit more, I'll see... Uh, I'll see... Well, well, I'll, I'll change my tune. Maybe I'll change my tune as the time goes on a little bit. But that is what my thoughts are right now on the Jumajapan G1 Climax. I am super excited for it. It's always been one of my favorite tournaments in uh, wrestling. It's it's always entertaining to watch these guys. I'm a little disappointed they didn't give Bit more variety especially since there was this whole thing about um of uh, uh hanuma hanama and uh, Nagata looking to get in but you know they're they, they were never they never had a chance really to get in or not they, they they're supposed it was because you know the win loss records that they try to act are important wasn't enough so that wasn't going to get them in there but I to say I'm disappointed that they repeated a lot of the same guys from last year. I get that there's COVID and it's making it hard for that, but I don't. know. It, I just I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more um, different faces than what we saw last year. But it's definitely going to be a great tournament in my opinion, and I'm excited to watch the rest of it. Uh, it's, I don't really have much time for anything else in the rest of the world since the G1 kind of takes over takes over a lot of the time. I'll see what I have for us for next week. With I believe. The WWE Clash of Champions is coming up for next Sunday, so I'm excited to review that. And I hope to see you all again next next Sunday. So I'll just close this out with a quick PSA that please wear your masks indoors and respect social distancing guidelines. We're all in this together. Together, remember. So thank you, and I'm glad you hope you enjoyed this first episode of Undercard. I've been William Main, and I hope you have a good day.